Fellas, what is up? I hope you are well. My name is Hector Santia Esteban. I am your host and your guide for today. Today's episode is with John Winters, and he is the founder of Lifestyle Performance Training. He's also a published author, and we just really talk a little bit more, if you guys caught the last conversation, about the importance of your body, your fitness, your physique. And, and this goes a little more practical into you know how to actually make that happen. So I'm excited for you guys to be here. Get settled in. This is John Winters. Welcome to the Modern Masculinity Podcast, where we delve into the depths of what it means to be a man in today's world, and we explore the real-life challenges and triumphs that you and I face every single day. My name is Hector Santia Esteban, and I come with no answers, only questions for some of the most wise, insightful, and grounded men that I know. So get settled in. You're listening to Modern Masculinity. John, welcome to the Modern Masculinity Podcast, man. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. So first off, I was telling you before, congrats on the book. That's huge. We're going to talk about that in a bit. But before we get into that, take us into your world a little bit. Take us into your guyness, if you will. What's been going on? What have you been challenged with recently? Or what are some struggles or obstacles that you're finding yourself in right now? Well, constant challenge is I run my own personal training business here. So keeping the balance between pushing the business, keeping it growing, keeping it moving, but also still having enough time, energy, and availability for home life with my wife, with my son. One of the reasons why I decided to go into business for myself rather than continuing with corporate gyms was so I can choose to be free for youth athletics or whatever other activities my son wants to be involved in. Whereas in a corporate gig, you just couldn't get the time off in the evenings to be able to do that. When, when did you make that shift? How did that transition happen? It was something that kind of started coming more into focus as because I had made the decision. I put my business on hold, went back to corporate gyms when my wife's company that she was working for went bankrupt and we lost insurance for the family and had to figure out a way to get that back because with kids, you never know what's going to happen. It's not something you want to find out too late that you don't have enough coverage for. So went back to working in the corporate world for gym big box environment, which it's long hours, it's pretty unforgiving expectations, performance, you're always on, regardless of what month it is in the year. And as he was getting older, because I went in when he was in preschool, then kindergarten and other athletics interests opened up, realizing that I can't be free enough to actually be present for him let alone in just other day-to-day things because the hours were 12-hour days minimum, plus usually a long Saturday on top of it. So you're just spent. There's just nothing left to be able to give the family when you get home. I'd imagine there's no mental, emotional energy, but there's no time left in the day. You've got to sleep. There's really nothing left, honestly. There's no time. There's no mental energy. A lot of my weekend, which is really only a day and a quarter of free time, was literally spent passed out trying to recover from 50 to 60 hours of long work. Yeah, I made a similar decision. I'm really thinking back on it now when my wife got pregnant is when I started looking at how we're going to do that, right? Because I similarly was doing 13, 14 hour days. I had a brick and order, kind of corporate-ish, cushy sales manager position. And that wasn't going to allow what you're talking about in terms of being able to work from home or being able to run our own business. It's incomparable. So what happens? You made the decision. Your kids had of in preschool age. 
What was that figuring out process like? Did you nail it from the beginning? Was it a challenge? Thankfully, I have a wonderful wife who stuck by my side, but it was not an easy transition from those two places. So what was that like for you? It was difficult because when I went into the corporate, again, there were some personal goals that I wanted to prove of what I could do because a lot of the biggest challenge was once you've worked for yourself, it's hard to be part of a team and part of the culture of corporate again. There were some personal goals that I wanted to be able to prove and like, no, I am capable of doing this to myself, learn a little bit more about the back end of business management in the fitness industry. Unfortunately, along the ways with the grueling hours, higher demands, started struggling with a degenerative issue that I had already been pretty successful mitigating for over 10 years, culminated into barely being able to be on my feet for more than 30 minutes at a time, which took a lot of effort to balance doing what I had to do for work as far as being on the gym floor, taking people through sessions to show them the value of training, but still being able to get back to my desk in time before I could move again. And between that and then they decided they were going to start restructuring to where they were going to give us Saturday off, but it was going to be even more time Monday through Friday to the point where I said, like, you're basically saying I don't get to see my family at all during the week. And as it just wasn't worth it anymore. And my wife, you know, she was in a position where she's like, hey, job's got insurance available. You can go whenever you're ready. I've seen what it's been doing to you. Make the decision yeah. when you're ready. Oh, man, I am so grateful for having such a wonderful woman in my corner to allow some of these things because I think that's important. But I'd imagine that having that injury and being in the field that you were in has got to, I don't know, that's got to make it a little bit harder. It, it definitely created its own challenges. When I finally made a decision to leave, part of the idea was that I would kind of low-key start doing some training on the side, but there was a lot of evaluation of, can I really keep up with this industry, with everything that was going on? Luckily, that decision-making also coincided with the lockdowns of everything with COVID and pretty much came down to life kind of saying like, hey, if the gyms aren't open anyways, take the opportunity and get your back fixed while you can. I can't work anyway, so I might as well take the opportunity to do the surgery that helped with the impingements and get back on my feet again, almost literally, to be more active and get back into a role of being able to lead by example, fitness-wise. Was that a long recovery after that surgery? Yeah, in more ways than one. Yeah. I had a vasectomy a couple months ago, and that's why I'm fortunate to have not a ton of surgeries. I guess I tore my tendon, and, and so that was kind of tough on my hand. But otherwise, I haven't had to deal with not being able to pick them up or not being able to do standard dad things. And then also around the house, and there's the provide, you know, all these kinds of things that are going through my head about not being able to. Did that creep in at all, or was that a non factor for you? Or that was a lot of. The concern issues of just not being able to do things that I wanted to be able to do, things that I felt I should be able to do. And it definitely plays with the mind quite a bit when you're trying to process all of that, in addition to figuring out whether or not you can stay in your career anymore. Yeah, you've got a lot of things going on. You had already started writing the book. The universe was like, okay, you think you know what you're talking about, we're going to see. <laughs> or it was like, well, this is worthy of being put into a book. So, so let's help some other people through my struggles. Which kind of camp were you in? Or both? Well, ironically, the first draft of the book I had written a while ago. I was doing a block of different courses at a school that did life coaching, holistic nutrition. And part of their programming was putting your own business together. And one of the 
guest lecturers that did a lot more of the business side of the course kind of had a challenge of it's not as hard as you think it is to write. It's just simply sitting down and doing it. So you basically challenge the class, even if it's five minutes every day for a month. If you do that, you'll have something. So I'm like, okay, let's try it. And I did have something, unfortunately, with where I was at at that point, wasn't in a position to really push it further. Obviously, my mindset on a lot of things changed since I did that initial draft. But luckily, since starting my own training studio and stuff again, I've been able to get surrounded by some motivating, more influential individuals and really decide, you know what, I do have this. Let's finish it. Let's polish it. I've got a better perspective now, I feel, along with empathy for what the average person has to deal with that a lot of people in the fitness industry who always come naturally to it just don't really have to give to the average individual that's really struggling with things. Yeah, the book is great because I think that it covers a wide breadth of things in terms of mindset and nutrition and exercise. You know, it goes from philosophies all the way down to tactics. But I'm curious if you could posit it for one of our listeners, right? They're 30, 40 something year old guy who's got kids and family and, and all these other things pulling at them that it seems like health or working out is not as critical or is not as urgent or is not as pressing as some of these other things may be. So True. for yeah. some guy, it's at the bottom of their list. They know it's important, but they just haven't gotten to it. What do you say to someone like that? You know, one of the most common objections that she is like, oh, I don't have enough time. The challenge with that mindset is, especially from someone who's got a family, they're trying to make sure that they're there for their kids. You have less time than you think in the grand scheme of things. Years go by in a snap, the older we get, and you always want more once you're near the end. And one of the key factors that can influence how much more you get with that time is health and fitness. Yeah, longevity. And not even longevity in a sense, but there's a term we call comorbidities. So modern medicine has extended our average lifespan with medicine and everything. The challenge is, is most people on average are still getting sick at the same age point in life. The average of that is around 55. And medicine is just making them live longer with that. While they're sick. Illness. Whereas if you answer it from a preventative health and fitness standpoint, actually work to keep your body together, keep your blood work in line with regular activity, better nutrition, we compress and delay the onset depend upon each individual's case-by-case case situation because certain things are going to be easier for someone more than another. Mindset, though, I would say is definitely kind of the first place that you've got to look because if you're not in the right mental space, any sort of pursuit of change is going to be a struggle. And then just setting realistic goals rather than if you feel the goals are overly unachievable or mismanageable, it's going to be hard to see success. So I'm a big proponent of let's start small and build on success rather than set these big, hairy, audacious goals and then constantly get frustrated because we're not there yet. Yeah. What do a lot of guys have wrong when it comes to their mindset? Or are there blocks that someone reaches once they've got going that prevents them from continuing on? I think the biggest challenge that for what I've seen most common for people is there's always obstacles, detours, situations that kind of get us off track, whether it be us getting sick, someone in the family getting sick or having something going on that keeps us from our routines that we had set in place work shift schedules, trying to take additional responsibilities, 
to have those opportunities for the family that requires a shift in your routine management that we often let it become an excuse of, well, I can't do this now because I've got all this going on, rather than saying, no, this is important to me. Maybe the way I'm doing it right now doesn't work with these new or different demands, but that doesn't mean I can't find another way to make it still be manageable and make it still be successful. And just because you've been off of that routine, whether it was a bad week, month, year, when I was dealing with my back issues, it was a solid two plus years before I was able to get back into a consistent fitness routine again and keep with it. But my aspect of consistent persistence is it's a mindset that no matter what happens, whatever detours, mistracks you, derails or stops you, it doesn't mean you're done. And it's never the wrong time to decide to no, say, you know what, I'm going to get back on track. I'm going to start here and build on my successes to get back to where I want to be. Yeah. I find that that's a great point because we make these strides and we set a routine and a plan and then something, a wrench gets thrown into it, right? All the time. Yeah. The kids start waking up early, school starts, school finished. You know, there's something that happens in life. And what I'm hearing from you is that we should almost anticipate those and anticipate those, be ready for them. And then the next thing is know that they're going to happen and catch yourself when you do. I think that what you're saying is like a lot of people, they'll fall off the wagon and then they're upset with themselves about staying off and then they'll stay off the wagon. And that's the problem is it's like, well, I failed last time. Why should I even start again? And it just ends up being really, really long stretches of not doing anything because of that. Whereas if they just said, yeah, this happened, that sucks. What can I do differently this time to be successful, to let it be a learning opportunity so that you can be in a better position the next time that obstacle or situation comes up again. The odds are if something got you off track once, it's probably going to come up again at some point. So it's better to just develop a plan rather than just let it be a reason not to do anything at all. Yeah. After mindset, one of the next things, and maybe it doesn't skip to goal setting, but that's kind of where my eyes jumped in the sense that that could be a, a good next step. But I'll posit it with this. I always had a challenge setting fitness goals because I didn't care about losing weight per se. You know, it was not about the scale on the number. My thing was like, I just want to feel better, but I didn't know how to quantify that. And so how do you help people? And honestly, I just started wearing a whoop tracker and I've been madly in love with this because it can quantify that. But without these trackers and the tech and stuff like that. How do you help a guy who's not trying to be some bodybuilder? They don't need a six pack. They really just want to be a better dad, a better husband. They want to have more energy. So what kind of goals could someone like that set? So that's where I get into both in the book and with clients a lot of times is the difference between outcome goals and process goals. Most of us are pretty familiar with setting outcome goals. The challenge with that is sometimes they're hard to quantify, like you said, with feeling better or having more energy. But the other challenge is sometimes that outcome isn't 100% under our control in every situation. So it becomes harder to achieve and be successful with that. But what I mean by that is for teams, if you said, oh, we're going to win the finals this year. Well, that's awesome. But if someone happens to get better than you were, that still doesn't mean that you were bad in your pursuit. It just means that someone else was better. And it's hard to be continuously successful if you keep setting outcome goals that you can't measure success with in that level. So what I try and get people to look at is like, what processes can we set goals around that will give us the best chance of that outcome 
to come about and measure our success on putting the processes in place rather than the outcome alone. Because if you want to look better, feel better, and have more energy, we can start with, well, let's set a goal of being active for 30 minutes twice a week. Start with that. Once we hit that success, we can decide, do we need more or is this enough? And then we can build on that. That gets us still advancing. It's easier to see success because it's like, you know what? Yeah, I'm working out three days a week now. I'm making success. And now that you mention it, I do feel better. I have more energy when I'm at home with my kids. I sleep better because I'm not stressed out because I got my blow off time during the workout to reset everything. So it starts to build more easily with those successes rather than you don't get success until that distant outcome may or may not ever come around. Yeah, I find that leads to something like fad diets. They've got to get ready for whatever, it's summer. I've got some outcome that you're talking about. And I was watching a video by Andrew Huberman, and he mentioned that these dopamine releases are much better for someone to be focused on the pursuit of their goal as opposed to the actual celebration or even the attainment. Because when you can focus on that pursuit or what you're talking about is the process, that's sustainable, that's replenishable, that you have control exactly. over it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And like what you said with in aspects of the dopamine, you end up just trying to chase essentially one high act or another, but that can lead to frustrations and lead to quitting because all of a sudden you hit a point where you can't hit that high again because either the diet's too restrictive, the program takes too much time out of your usual life. So it's not something you can keep doing for more than 90 days at a time. And it ends up frustrating you causing you to quit. And then all of a sudden, you're not doing anything that you could have been doing if you just focus success being an aspect of processes rather than outcomes. John, this has been such a great interview so far, selfishly for me, but I know the listeners are going to get a ton out of it. And I'd encourage you guys to go get the book. It's on Amazon. And if you guys are on Kindle Unlimited, like I am, you guys can get it for free there. Otherwise, go and get it. But we're going to talk when we come back about exercise and nutrition, maybe even sleep, because I think that's on there too. The how-tos, we're going to get into some tactics about how you can actually make this happen, right? Getting out of the, the ethereal mindsets here. So stick around. We're going to get into that right after this. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in today. Today's episode is brought to you by Amplify Media. And if you've listened to this show, you guys know all about us, but we are the ones behind this podcast and we are a bunch of passionate, purpose-driven genius makers. So if you have a message, if you have something to get out into the world, but you don't have the time and you don't necessarily want to spend the time that's needed to go and click all the buttons and record all the things and edit all the things that need to get out there, we can help you. If you want to learn how you can get your message out there in less than an hour a week, go to amplifymedia.com. That's amplifymedia.com. All of the info is in the show notes. And with that, let's get back to the interview. All right, John, so we're here and we've talked a lot about mindset. We've talked a lot about some really this foundational stuff. But for someone who wants to go out there and wants practical advice, some things on, okay, what can I do today, John? How can I get started right now as soon as we turn off the podcast or even while I'm listening to it? What are the first places that you suggest to start? The two biggest things is start small and build on success rather than starting with the big ideals and then getting frustrated that you're not there yet would be kind of first and foremost. It's a lot easier to say, I'm going to do one workout this week and build on that. It's a lot easier to say, you know what, I'm going to make this change to how I structure two dinners this week and then build on that. 
the challenge that most people face is they try and enter into a healthy lifestyle as a complete overhaul of the entire way they've been running their life, their day-to-day, their week-by-week living, and expect it to go smoothly. And it doesn't. (laughs) Let's set ourselves up for complete failure and disaster because of that. It's a lot easier to say, I'm going to start five minutes twice a week. I'm going to change into my workout clothes, and I'm going to go for a walk, or I'm going to go to the gym. Two meals this week, I'm going to do an additional serving of vegetables more than what I would have before and starting with things like that. It's kind of like a remodel versus like a demo. I think about a lot of people, they do a demo to their life and then don't realize that, well, yeah, when you do the demo, there's nothing left. It looks like chaos. You still have to live in the house. You can't completely demo the house if you still got to live. So wait, so what I'm hearing then is that the better approach, perhaps, and we try not to prescribe things, but as opposed Mm -hmm. to that kind of total demo perspective, Maybe it's just the remodel where you touch up a room, you start smaller so that you can still live in the house, basically. For sure, for sure. Two of the biggest aspects, exercise and nutrition. If you look at the ideal recommendation for exercise and you're not doing anything at the moment, you're talking about trying to add an additional three to seven hours of time dedicated to this one thing during the week. Most of the people that I come across are already so jam-packed schedule-wise that that's just daunting and extremely demotivating to try and all of a sudden fit into a week's time frame. But saying I'm going to do a five-minute walk three times a week, okay, now we're only talking 15-ish minutes. That's manageable. That's buildable. Get success and build rather than aim really, really big and miss it and get frustrated. Diet and exercise. Mm-hmm. Are there any things that you do suggest or that you do think that, hey, maybe you should look at something like this, or maybe you might try something like this when it comes to those two realms? In aspects of exercise, just be aware of other opportunities that you can move rather than be stationary, especially if you've got kids. One of the biggest things that I see is if you've got a kid that's doing sports, don't just sit on the sidelines, try and help the team out during practices. Usually you have to drop your kid off 15, 30 minutes prior to the game. Don't just find your spot and sit there. Do a couple laps before your kid's game starts, and then you can sit and enjoy the game. Fit in some movement there. And coaches always appreciate the additional help during practices, set up, take down, everything like that. By all means, please help us. We always need to help. I've never turned a parent's help away <laughs> during a practice for band, symphony, orchestra, things like that. You got to drop the kid off usually 15, 30 minutes prior to the concert. Don't immediately rush and get your seat yet. Take a couple laps, do some walking, even if it's just using some steps up and down, get some additional movement in rather than immediately sitting. If you've got little kids, they like to move. They don't necessarily like being restrained and held still all the time, play with them. Let your body get moving. Exercise is really only defined as increased heart rate, increased rate and depth of breath, and getting some sweat. It doesn't have to be the traditional structured workout that we always get frustrated by not being able to get to. Just matter of those three things happening over an extended period of time, countless. That will stimulate physiological changes that we want to happen in the body. What about nutrition? Is there anything like that that guys might be overlooking when it comes to their diet and nutrition? I would probably say put your focus on 
leafy greens and other vegetables more than anything else. Most guys are probably already getting enough protein in their diet. The problem is, is most of us then end up filling up on carbohydrates and other filler calories that just add to our intake for the day. Whereas if you fill up on your vegetables and higher fiber content foods, you'll hit that feeling of fullness with a much lower caloric intake allotment. And the fiber will also help aspects of things like cholesterol, blood pressure, digestion, and just make your body more effective on a day-to-day basis. Do guys ever have to worry about not consuming enough calories? I do uh, intermittent fasting and I generally only eat one. It's not a meal. It's like a grazing period, right? But it's a few meals within an hour and a half. But I rationalize at the end of that. And I'm like, well, I could use some carbs here. I need some calories, you know? (laughs) Am I just lying to myself? Because there will be days where I do that calculation. I'm like, I'm maybe 12, 1300 calories just with that. Is there anything there? Or in those moments, should I still be going for a salad or some vegetables? There's a lot to say. If it's a true craving for a flavor, not a specific food, specific food is different. That's going to be more chemically manufactured. But if you have a specific craving for something sweet, generally, something savory, something fatty, something creamy, those are actually physiologically driven for specific nutrient needs and demands. So, you know, if you're looking for something sweet, that's your body telling you you need something like a berry, some sort of fruit that has a high antioxidant value to it to provide the nutrition for your body. If you're looking for something savory, it means your body is probably looking for some protein or amino acids to help nourish tissue building, growth, and muscle replenishment. But the caveat is, is you have to choose high nutrition quality foods to satisfy those cravings, not traditional processed foods that are very deficient and void. Not Ritz crackers. Not Ritz crackers, no. (laughs) That's what I mean about the chemically driven cravings that most processed foods are notorious for because that's how they get you to want more. That, that is so great. And there is someone who I love dearly, who will not be named at this moment, who has an obsession about a chocolate cake from a certain somewhere. And it's like, it can't be any chocolate cake. It has to be this chocolate cake from this particular somewhere. And what you're talking about is that's somehow chemically created. More often than not. Now, there's always the aspect of emotional connections too, because there's big evidence of emotional conditioning for different food behaviors too. So that could be a little bit of that along with it. But yeah, most processed foods, because they're high in the sugars, the fats, and the salts that kind of drive our basic primal connection of needing more at a very high concentrated level. And that's what usually gets us in trouble. Yeah, this has been fun, John. And maybe you'll grace us with a part two. I want to hear about the book and where people can find that. Before I do that, my last question to you is what does modern masculinity mean to you? Good question. To me, masculinity, it's a bigger, broader term than I think a lot of us were brought up with. It's not just the hulking, hoorah, manly manness. It's also being able to be mature and connected with your actual emotions, what you're feeling, how you're feeling, being able to show others in your life those feelings openly and honestly as well rather than being disconnected and bottled up inside. Yeah. It is much more expansive than maybe what our fathers or our grandfathers even understood masculinity to be. The book is Consistent Persistence, A Healthier Life by Changing Your Goals and Mindset. I mentioned it's available on Amazon. Is there anywhere else people should go to get the book or even stay connected with you? 
Amazon's used the easiest way to find the book. You can follow me with my training business, LPT.fitness. You can find more information of services and things that we offer through there. But the book is meant to kind of be the introduction for beginning your change in your shift into a more maintainable, sustainable lifestyle habit rather than another planner program that you can follow for 90 days and then finish with it because it wasn't realistic to keep going with. My goal is that you're learning how to reasonably and realistically approach any sort of change in your lifestyle. Primarily, we focus on nutrition and exercise, but the principles and ideas can be applied anywhere that you want to see change. Begin with your mindset and your attitude and your positive self-talk and belief. Set a realistic process-based goal for yourself and then implement small and build on success to large rather than starting large and being frustrated by not being there yet. Thanks again, John. Guys, go get the book. Keep going, fall off the wagon, realize that you fell off and hop back on. I think that was a huge takeaway. Guys, we appreciate you being a part of the Modern Masculinity fam. We'll see you on the next one. Later, y'all.